Between the cracks and receding darkness of this world lies another, living and breathing, always shifting just out of view. It's there that the true terrors that haunt your deepest dreams dwell, and they're watching, waiting, ever vigilant. I'm Thomas Dean Worley, a consulting detective for the Medemaville Police Department, and these are my cases. This town is a cesspool, crawling with shattered people and broken dreams, the kind of place that likes to attract unwanted attention. But when you peel back the surface and take a glance underneath, you'll see that the inner workings are much more intricate than they first appeared to be. There's this ever-expanding web of lies and deceit that connects these cases that I'm about to share with you. An evil stench that exudes from every piece of information that I've collected over these years. And by listening to this, you're listening at your own risk. There's no way to tell who may be watching, and they aren't exactly keen on having their dirty laundry aired to the public. They will find you. It's only a matter of time. Case file 001. Date opened December 5th, 2010. Update March 23rd, 2017. The only way for my listeners to understand the full extent of what's transpired is for me to start with the original case file that initiated this descent down the rabbit hole, if you will. It was around 7 in the evening. The sun had just started sinking below the horizon when my assistant walked in. <laughs> Janice, a blonde bombshell with enough attitude to stare down a starving werewolf. She handed me an envelope. And upon opening it, a card fell into my hand. There were only two words written. He's back. I turned the envelope over and read the return address. Medemaville Police Department. I'd say it's time to pay my old friend Clark a visit. It didn't take long to cover the two blocks from my office to the police department. Thoughts were running rampant in my mind. It's like a dam burst somewhere in the back and these memories came flooding in. Six years can be a long time and an eternity when the trail goes cold. I've been after this guy for a while. I wasn't about to lose him again. The station was buzzing. Must have been a busy night. Even Karen, the officer at the front, didn't have time to speak to me. She just ushered me inside and closed the door, her slimy appendage leaving a thick residue on the handle. I waded my way through the sea of desks. Eyes peered up at me. Yellow, orange, black... Some say Medemaville is the place of nightmares. It's a good thing we police ourselves. All the way in the back, a jade-colored lamp poorly lit the name card on the cluttered desk. Clark Demereau, Homicide. I met Clark on my first case, back when he was still a traffic cop. We were just kids back then, out to change the world. Now, after years of nagging doubt and a battered self-esteem... Clark's only a shell of the wolf that he used to be. Only problem is, wasn't really much to begin with. Tom! What are you doing here? I got your message. We need to talk. You get the hell out of here! You know I can't risk my job! You coming here to see me at work? I'll be outside. I waded back through the desk and out the front door. A low hiss came from one of the other officers as I left the building. 
I guess you could say I'm not exactly welcome here. There was a side alley next to the building, and I figured that was as good a place as any to have our conversation. A few minutes passed by, and Clark came strolling through the doors. I whistled to get his attention, and then skulked back into the alley. What do you got for me, Clark? And don't give me the runaround. I've got better things to do than sit here and chase a lead out of you. Better than chasing your demons with a bottle of scotch? Clark's a stand-up guy. He always has my best interests at heart. Too bad he tends to shoot off that mouth of his before his mind has a chance to process what's happened. I turned and started walking towards the street before Clark uttered those three words that sent a chill down my spine. The entire reason I was here. Tom! It's him! Nuri Saritza, ex-mob. I've been on his tail for close to a year. One day he shows up, and six men turn up dead in a matter of days. From there, drug abuse skyrocketed. Kids started disappearing. What used to be simple burglaries now turned into sadistic murders with mangled corpses that are impossible to identify. It makes me sick. Clark reached into his overcoat and pulled out a photograph. He handed it to me. In it stood Nuri, an overweight, patchy ghoul. What little hair he had around the cul-de-sac of decaying flesh on his head was greasy and wiry. But he was standing in front of a small, thin man with jet black hair, swept back and styled. Nuri's grubby overcoat and disheveled look stood in stark contrast to the other man's clean, tailored three-piece suit. This was taken an hour ago. The man he's with, they call him the Lynx. I need the name of the photographer that took this. Henry Williams. He's one of the best in the business. He lives over on Linmar Circle. Linmar. Yeah, I knew the place. A dainty little neighborhood on the other side of town. Clark gave me the address and I pulled up to the house around six that evening. The sun had just set. I took a long drag of my cigarette before stepping out of the car and extinguishing it on the ground. It was a short, damp walk to the front door from the street. I wrapped my knuckles upon the door. No answer. I tried once more, still nothing. I decided to peer in through the windows, maybe try and see some kind of movement inside. Still as a brick. So I tried the doorknob. It turned smoothly in my hand, no resistance. Now this is about as sketchy a situation as it gets. A random man entering a house that's clearly not his own in search of a stranger that he's never met before. But something else seemed off to me about this scene. No lights. No movement. His car is parked in the driveway, so somebody must be home. Now would probably be a good time to mention that even I have a few tricks up my sleeve. With a bit of concentration, I became invisible, clothes and all. Something I've been practicing from a young age, and honestly a handy skill to have down. Though, admittedly, it's much easier when I've had a few in me. I pushed open the door and entered the house. The first step brought the crunch of glass. Quick flick of a flashlight would have revealed broken decor, but it wasn't needed. Through the moonlight, peering through the windows, I could see that the entire house had been turned over. Somebody with a bad temper and a point to prove had beaten me here. I rounded the corner into what I assume to be the study of one Henry Williams, photographer extraordinaire, only to find the poor schmuck had taken his last shot. The sight wasn't a pretty one, so I'll save you the details. The only thing worth mentioning was a symbol, carved into the late Henry Williams' chest. A paw print. <laughs> there goes my lead. I stood up from examining the body and reappeared, 
Whoever did this was long gone by now. Henry's been laying here a couple of hours at best. I turned the place over, looking for clues before stumbling across a humidor and grabbing a fresh cigar. What good is it to a dead man anyways? I grabbed a pack of matches from the counter next to me and lit one with a swish before taking a few drags from the cigar to get it going. In the flickering light, I could just make out the words on the matchbook. The Bombay Club. Looks like Henry wasn't a total loss. You see, in the heart of downtown Medemaville, if you could call it a downtown, there sits a breeding ground for the vermin of this city. Our very own Bombay Club. If a crime's been committed or in the works, it's a sure bet that the club is involved in some way. It was 7.45 before I grabbed a table in one of the corners of the ratty old bar. I could see, across the room, two men were meeting. Something shady was going down. Did you really score this from Neri himself? Yeah, it's the purest grade this side of Atlanta. <laughs> My clapping must have interrupted him. But really, I couldn't help myself. It was all too clear. And I have to admit, I was a little impressed. These two clowns happen to be officers of the law. Sworn to uphold justice and all that shit. Crooks and Romero, a vampire and a goblin, respectively. As the pieces come together, they looked around, puzzling as to where the sound was coming from. Halfway through making my way across the room, I reappeared. What are you doing here, Tom? Same as you, Romero. I'm looking for a quiet place to drink away that memory of the disappointed look in my father's eyes when he realized how much of a failure his son had become. Romero first got his taste for greed when he started taking bribes on vice from petty criminals. Guess he didn't like that, because he started up before Crooks grabbed him and pulled him back into his chair. Good old Crooks. Couldn't have asked for a better partner, really. The poster child of hard work and disappointment. I caught him pocketing evidence on scene at a drug bust early in his career. Such a promising future. Too bad he's an idiot. So, let me guess. Romero. You're the big-time mule in town, and you? You're the addicted drug dealer who peddles what he's packing. Sound about right? Something about my tone of voice must have set them off. They both stood up, guns pointed right at my chest. I lit a cigarette and took one long drag, unfazed by the turn of events. Whatever happened to the good old days when your friends were taking bribes and doing drugs instead of pulling guns on you? Thanks for listening to the Tom Worley Cases podcast. If you like what you hear, then make sure you head on over to our Facebook page and give us a like at facebook.com slash the Tom Worley podcast or follow us on Twitter at Podcast Worley. This episode was written by Trey Falco and Ryan Mannion. It was produced by Trey Falco. The voice of Tom Worley was Trey Falco. The voices of Clark and Crooks were Jake Alexander. The voice of Romero was PJ Ellis. The main theme song for the Tom Worley podcast is Noir by No Copyright Sounds. 
Other songs used are Noir Number no. 1 by Music by Pedro, Jazz Noir Detective by Ger Falcon, and Best Jazz Piano Ever by Ben Sound. Noir can be found by visiting the channel No Copyright Sounds for YouTube on YouTube. Noir Number no. 1 can be found on iTunes under Dream Reaver 23. That's D R E A M R E A V E R 23. Jazz Noir Detective can be found on Ger Falcon's channel at The Ger Falcon. That's The G E R F A L K O N. And Best Jazz Piano Ever can be found at bensound.com. That's B E N S O U N D.com. 